Well, He is indeed risen. And we're gathered here today to celebrate that. That our King has conquered the grave. If you're a guest with us, we're, we're really excited that you're here today to, to celebrate with us the resurrection of our King. Last week, we looked at the entry of our King into the capital city, Jerusalem. And we looked at how even though He was King over all, He came humbly, riding on a donkey. And we looked at how this King that reigns over all was destined for a cross. Today, we're going to look at what happened on Sunday. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have encountered something in your life that you, it just makes you think, man, this, this changes everything? We, we often bump into those things in life. Uh, it could be something like news of the birth of a child. I remember when Brittany was pregnant with Mary Beth when we first found out, and I remember her telling me, and it was just something that was just so nonchalant, but I was thinking after, man, this changes everything. And our house has never been the same since. It could be something like, she said yes. It changes everything. It could be a new job. But sometimes those events that change everything are not so good. Sometimes it's things like news from a doctor. Sometimes it's hearing of a loved one's death. And as we're crushed and crippled, we just think, man, this changes everything. It could be a job loss. It could be an economic downturn. Whatever it is, there are things that happen to us and it's just like, man, this changes everything. The course of my life is different now. So I want you to put yourselves in the disciples' shoes on Friday. Picture that these guys came in with Jesus with everyone shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. As the city shouted His name, as they had seen many signs and wonders, they knew that this was the Messiah. This is God's anointed King and everything is going to be different. And then on Friday, they watched in horror. Actually, all of them fled except two, but the two watched in horror as they nailed their master to a cross. This changes everything. The course that they had for themselves is now different. Their master is dead. Game over. Let's go back home. What we're going to look at this morning in Matthew chapter 28 is something that the women who are following Jesus during this time see when they go to the tomb. <clears throat> Unlike the disciples that are scattered, that are thinking game over, the women go to the tomb and see something that makes them think, wow, this changes everything. And indeed, it doesn't just change everything for them, but I want you to hear this. 
it changes everything for us as well. It changes the entire course of human history. And what we're going to see in this passage is that there is an empty tomb and a risen king. And this changes everything. This changes everything. Let's stand together as we read God's Word. Matthew 28, starting in verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and it came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here For he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. Hello. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Lord Jesus, we come this morning. Just like those women and we want to grab your feet and worship We want to see with eyes of faith what those women saw that day. And Father, we want to know deep down in our hearts that You are alive. But more than that, Lord, more than knowing about the resurrection, God, I pray that each and every one of us in this room this morning would know the relevance of it, the importance of it, that it would change the course of our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. (coughs) So, the women that day saw things that showed them that their king had been raised from the dead. They, As they approach the tomb, the first thing they see is the women see the empty Tomb. Notice verse 1. It says that uh, after the Sabbath, that's when everybody would have rested, that's on Saturday, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now, Matthew records the two Marys going there, but we know from other Gospel accounts that it's not only those two women, but it's probably a group of women that had been with Jesus. And I want you to see something that's so important. Who's the first one to see the empty tomb? A group of women. You say, well, why is that important? Well, that's very important because back in the day, in the first century, women were considered unreliable witnesses. Now, I'm going to hold back the joke that I'm thinking right now. Women were considered unreliable witnesses back then. So much so... 
that an ancient pagan philosopher named Celsus actually said that the resurrection couldn't have happened because, man, women are just hysterical. You can't trust their testimony. It wouldn't even hold up in a court of law. Now, listen, especially you ladies in here, don't get me wrong, I am in no way speaking down to you on this because we know that your, your word is reliable, that what you see, you're, you're not hysterical, okay? But I think when we look at the climate that they're in in the first century, that shows that because everybody thought that, if they were to fabricate a story of a resurrection, listen, they wouldn't have put women as the first one to see Jesus. I mean, if they were going to make this thing up, it would have been Jesus' closest male followers that came to the tomb and saw that He had been raised. But it's a group of women. And I think that has implications for us today. You know, a lot of times we just think that you know, women ought to be relegated to the kitchen. They ought to be relegated to taking care of the kids when it comes to church functions and things. But actually what we see is that Jesus placed a very high importance on His women followers. So, they come to the tomb, and what do they see? They see an earthquake. As divine events start unfolding that day, the ground begins to shake. And it says that an angel rolled back the stone. Mark, the Gospel writer, records that the women were really worried about this. As they were going to the tomb that day, they were thinking, man, we know that they sealed it with this heavy stone. How are we going to get past the stone, past the guards, and go in and anoint the body of our Lord? But as they arrive that day, they see that that is not a concern any longer. An angel comes and rolls the stone away. And listen, it's not the earthquake that moves the stone. It's the angel that comes down and moves the stone. The earthquake was a result of the angel. God's power was at work that day. And I think it's so ironic that Matthew says the guards were like dead men. Y'all see the irony in that? The living guards were put there to guard a dead man. And the dead man that they were supposed to be guarding is now alive and they are like dead men. These women see something. They see the empty tomb. And if the empty tomb wasn't enough to convey the message, the angel that they see makes a pronouncement. The second thing that they see is the angel. They see the angel. If it's not enough that they just see the tomb from afar, now they're going to hear from an angel. And I want you to see the first thing that he says in verse 5. A word of comfort. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. These women are terrified, y'all. They've watched their master be killed violently. And now all this is happening at the tomb. They don't even know what to make of it. And the angel says, hey, y'all, don't be afraid. And then he brings them a word of good news. A word of hope. He is not here, the angel says. He has risen. This is the first time in all of Scripture that we have the Gospel proclaimed. 
That morning, that Easter Sunday morning, when Jesus has risen from the grave and the angel pronounces it to these ladies and says, He is not here, He has risen. Billy Graham says it this way. Billy Graham says that I submit to you that that's the greatest news the world has ever heard. This is good news. He is not here. He is risen. As He said, the angel says. In other words, this is no accident. This isn't just happenstance. Jesus knew this was coming. Jesus foretold that this was coming. But the angel doesn't want the women just to take His word for it. He doesn't want the women just to go on what He's saying. Notice what He says next. He says, Come and see. Come and see the place where He lay. It's as if they're saying, hey, don't take my word for it. Why don't you come and look for yourselves? Why don't you examine the evidence yourselves? The angel's basically telling the women not to rely on some spiritual or mystical speculation but on hard evidence. And listen, I'm going I'm to say that very same thing to you today. What Christianity holds out to you is not some mystical experience. What we hold out to you is based on evidence. Historical evidence. And I would say the same thing to you that the angel said to those ladies. Examine it closer. See for yourselves. Christianity is a religion that holds up to scrutiny. We don't say, hey, you can't ask questions. Hey, you don't need to press in deeper. No, we say, hey, come and examine all you want. The tomb is empty. We say, hey, come and scrutinize this because we know that it's going to hold up to scrutiny. The tomb is empty and the angel tells the women to come and see it. But he doesn't just stop with come and see, does he? It doesn't stop with come and see, but it actually then goes to, hey, go and tell. He tells the women, hey, I want you to come and see it. I want you to examine the empty tomb. But after you do that, I want you to leave from this place and I want you to go and tell others that He has risen. Specifically, the disciples. I want you to go to the disciples and I want you to tell them what you have seen here. Tell them to go to Galilee that He's going before you to Galilee. Y'all, this reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew 26, 33. Jesus tells the disciples before He's ever crucified that on the third day, He's going he's to rise and then He's going to go meet them in Galilee. Now, I just want to paint the picture for you here. Jesus, or the angels telling the women to go to Galilee to uh, or tell, tell the women to go, tell the disciples to go to Galilee, and I'm going to go before them and meet them there. Do y'all realize how huge that is? Because every one of these guys had fled or denied him. Except John. Maybe John hung around there. Every single one of them had abandoned him. And Jesus doesn't rise up from the grave and say, See, I told you so. Why didn't you believe me? Now I'm going to get even. Jesus doesn't come up and say, Well, now I'm going to punish you because you should have stuck with me. But Jesus, full of grace, says, Hey, I'm going to restore you. 
I'm going I'm to bring you back in. I'm going to give you grace. And I'm going to appear to you in Galilee. I love the way Mark's gospel puts it. The angel says, tell the disciples and Peter. They highlight Peter. <clears throat> hey, don't forget about Peter. Don't forget about the one that like messed up big time. Listen, we serve a master, a risen Lord that says to us, when we follow Him, we're going to mess up big time. And He says to us, hey, come on back. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to appear with you. I have not left you. I am with you. The angel tells women, hey, go tell the disciples that I'm going to go before them to Galilee. The women see the empty tomb. They hear the angelic announcement. But what they saw next would fulfill their joy and change their hearts forever. Change their lives for eternity. The women see Jesus. It's kind of escalating here. Hey, if you don't believe the empty tomb, if you don't believe the angels, well, you've got to believe when the guy shows up and talks to you. <clears throat> I mean, come on. And of course, we know that they believed from the beginning. It says in verse 8 that the women went away with fear and great joy. With fear and great joy to run and tell the disciples. Even though they were still afraid. They still didn't know fully what to make of this. Their minds are still racing as they try to process all that's going on. They run from that place to obey what the angel had said, to tell the disciples that He is risen. And I love it. He says they're not just filled with fear, but they're filled with great joy. They know that their King is risen. And, and just put yourself in, in their place that day. You've, heard, you've seen the tomb, you've, you've heard the angelic pronouncement, and now you're turning, realizing that what you first thought was game over is now just the beginning. And as you turn and go away to tell others, to tell the disciples, you pass a stranger on the road. Who just says, hello. And all of a sudden you realize, whoa, that's the guy. That's the king. That's the one that's been raised from the dead. The, the greeting that he gives there, that word for greeting, just is an informal statement like, hello, good morning. And I love how, how Matthew puts it. Matthew, uh, when he records it, and behold, Jesus met them. What an understatement, right? They have met the, the, this guy who's been resurrected. Nobody's ever done that before of their own power. They meet him and he's just like, yeah, and he met him there and said hello. But notice what they did. They fell at his feet. And Matthew is very careful to record that they grabbed his feet. Listen. A lot of skeptics out there say, well, you know, it was just a spiritual resurrection. He was more like a ghost. They knew it. You can't grab a ghost's feet. What we have here is a bodily resurrection. 
a new glorified body risen from the dead. They grab his feet. They worship him. Listen. That is the response to this risen king. Get low. Worship. Humble yourself. They fall at his feet. And Jesus, echoing what the angel says, tells them, don't be afraid. He knows they're still a little scared. But go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. Came out of the mouth of the angel, but now it's coming out of the mouth of the one that they have betrayed. Jesus himself is saying, I'm going to restore them. Tell them to go to Galilee. And there, there they will see me. The disciples will see for themselves that Jesus is alive. They're not going to have to take other people's word for it. They will see. And I think that this is perhaps one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible. That Jesus is saying, I'm going, they're going to see me. I'm going to be with them. We don't serve a king that says, listen, I want you to go and obey me and, and leave me and go do that. No, we have a king that says, hey, I want you to go, but as you go, I want you to know I'm with you. Some of you today maybe need to hear those words that Jesus is saying, hey, I'm with you. Hey, you're facing cancer. You're facing sickness. You're facing loss. You're facing uncertain situations. And as you're going and, and trying to live out a life of obedience to Him, He's saying, hey, you know, I am with you. I'm with you. They see Jesus. And that changes everything. They see the angel. They see the empty tomb. That's good and all, but there's still a question that we've got to ask. If Jesus is risen, so what? So what? You know, I've said time and time again, this changes everything, but how does it change everything? And I think what we need to dig into today is not just the evidence and the facts that He is risen, but we need to actually ask ourselves, if He is risen, what does that mean for me? How is my life going to be different because of the resurrection? And listen, there might be some of you here today, you don't know Him. You, you, you haven't submitted to Him and followed Him. You haven't turned away from your sins and trusted Him. And for you, if the resurrection is true, then that means that everything that He said and claimed is also true. And the question for you is, how can you continue to live in rejection if this is true? How can you continue to go your own way if you believe the resurrection to be true? It's something that we like to give mental assent to, but it's not something that we like to submit our hearts and our lives to. If this king is really alive, then stop rejecting. Surrender to him. But maybe there's some of you here today and you, you follow him. 
You say, you know, I'm a Christian. I have, I've turned away from my sins. I've, I've trusted Him for salvation. I've surrendered everything to Him. For you, I would say, that same resurrection power lives in us. And so the question for you is, how can you, if this applies to you, how can you continue to live in sin? I, I just don't get it. I don't understand how people who say, I am a Christian, and yet live a life devoid of walking with Him, devoid of obedience, living completely given to sin. Like, how does the resurrection not scare you? Because that means that one day you're going to stand before this King and give an account. One day we're going to stand before Him. So if the resurrection is true, how can we not walk with Him? How can we not give everything to Him? It also means for us that we don't have to live in fear of the unknown. Our shepherd has conquered everything. And He is leading us. So that means what's unknown to us is not unknown to Him. He has conquered the greatest unknown that we have, death. And so let me tell you, whatever unknown situation we face now, whatever unknown situation you are facing, you're like, I don't know how this is going to come out. And you spend time being anxious and worrying about it. Let me tell you, you don't have to worry. Because if this king has conquered your greatest enemy, the greatest unknown that we have, he's got this. Whatever you're facing right now, man, he's got it. But not only that, the resurrection changes everything for us because since we know that it's real, we live for Christ with everything that we have. We can live a life now of total abandon for Him. We can live a life where we say, I'm not going to focus on me at all. I'm going to give everything to Him. But it also means that we can let ourselves be consumed for His mission. I love the way Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 15. Paul is, is talking about the resurrection. And he finally concludes that we should be really encouraged. We should go and, and strive and labor for the Lord because he says, because you know your labor is not in vain. Listen, I can go now because of the resurrection and give my life completely over to serving and obeying Him and living on mission because I know that my work is not in vain. Unlike our jobs where we feel like we're at a rat race, we feel like we're chasing after the wind and the futility of life. I mean, if you think about it, have you ever thought about how futile life is? The resurrection for us means that we can live for Him. We can obey Him. We can live on mission. And that's one thing that will last for eternity. Finally, it means for us that we carry the flames of hope that not even death can put out. You know, I... I one part of the ministry I don't enjoy a whole lot is preaching funerals. 
And I've preached many. I tell you, the greatest funeral, I don't want to speak of a funeral and say it's like a good thing, but like the best case for a funeral is when the person is a believer in Christ. They're ones who have lived their life for Him and that we can meditate on this very resurrection that we're looking at today and say, we don't come here weeping because we've got a hope that not even death can put out. Our king has vacated the tomb and one day we're going to do the same. So this changes everything. Changes everything. And here's what I want you to see. That change can start today. Whatever it is. Wherever you are on your journey. The change from the resurrection can start today. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower, turn from your sins and surrender to this King. Go from death to life. Go from chains to freedom. Experience life transformation. You don't have to wait until later to do that. That change can start today. If you're a Christian living in sin, today can be the day that you finally surrender to Him once again and seek His help. Today can be the day. Don't wait until tomorrow. Today can be the day when you meditate on the resurrection and say, you know what? I've been living as if the resurrection didn't happen, as if I'm not going to have to live for this King and stand before Him. And today I'm going to surrender everything once again to Him. Maybe some of you today, the the change that needs to happen is you need to say, you know what? I'm going to be baptized Because I have made a decision to follow Christ and I'm going to proclaim that to everyone through baptism. And I want everyone to know. Some others of you, it may be you need to join a church. Whether this one or another one. For others, it may be surrendering to a special call that God has put on your life. A call to ministry. But for a lot of us, it might just be a call for us to ask for grace to trust Him more. Because there's a lot of us in this place this morning who are honest with ourselves. We don't have peace. And we need to come and let the resurrection change that. And we need to ask for His help and ask for His peace. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing... One final song, a song of response. And if, if that's you this morning, if you just feel like, man, this change for me needs to start today, I invite you in just a second, as we're already standing, you're already going to be standing up, would you actually take a step out of where you are standing? And say, you know what? By physically moving, I'm going to let this be a physical representation of what my heart's going through. And maybe it, just, it may mean for you that you just need to come and pray at the altar and, and surrender to Him. It may be that you just need to come and ask for His help and His peace. It may be that you need to come and, and say, Pastor, will you, will you pray for this situation and pray for me to have peace? Or for you, it may be like, Hey, Pastor, I need to receive this Jesus that you're talking about. Whatever that is, in just a moment as we stand and sing, Let the change begin today. Let's pray.
Father, we are thankful that you don't just call us to believe on blind faith, but that you give us evidence. You invite us to scrutinize the resurrection and scrutinize our faith and to dig in. And Lord Jesus, we know that the power that raised you from the dead is still at work today. Because you're alive, because you're sitting at the right hand of the Father, because the Holy Spirit that you've sent is at work, that very same power can come into our lives and change us completely. So I pray, Lord, that there's somebody in here this morning, anywhere on that spectrum, that we would respond to you, that we would say, today's going to be the day that I press in. Today's going to be the day that I embrace you. Move in this place, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you.